All right, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Two Player Bros. I'm Mike. I'm Dave. Nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, Dave has made me uh, a liar, apparently, because uh, last episode I swore that we would do Darksiders Genesis. Wait, are we not doing Darksiders Genesis? No. Mike, all of my notes are for Darksiders Genesis. <laughs> you son of a bitch, you set me up. <laughs> we are doing... Well, why don't you tell them what we're doing, since you've changed... You made well, me no, the liar. you're just going to change the plan. You might as well tell them, Mike. <laughs> we are doing Ori and the Will of Wisps. The, will of the, the Wisps. What the hell is Ori and the Will of Wisps? Uh, it is a game developed by Moon Studios, published by Xbox Game Studios, uh, and essentially it is a Metroidvania-type game. Metroidvania platformer. Can we do Transformers work for Cybertron instead? Do you have notes? Robots are awesome. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Ori is a Metroidvania with a, like a higher emphasis on mobility than a lot of other Metroidvanias. Combat is very much secondary. There's some light like city builder aspects in there um and a lot of cool abilities and like a pretty actually a pretty intricate and elaborate mod system to kind of like skew your play style as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. definitely more than the last game for sure yeah you just you just played a bunch of the first game want to give me your thoughts on that on the first game real yeah. quick i really liked the first game uh i thought the animation was really good i thought the game ran smooth and yeah well, let's back this up we we need to cover a little bit more Let's we want to go over what this we game should, is about. We should talk about what Ori is. <laughs> and this is the name of the game we're uh, this is the name of the game we're going to talk about today. And let me just tell you about the game that came before. <laughs> In a deep technical level. <laughs> no, so I guess would you like to tell them about Ori, or should I tell them about Ori? Uh, why don't you tell them about who Ori is, and then I'll go over what the sequel is about. Let let them know what Ori is. Because I don't know what Ori is. Ori is like a little, like a Spock-like spirit of the forest kind of thing. Very like anime inspired. Yeah, definitely like a Studio Ghibli type well, creature. It, when I say anime, I don't mean like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> You're not getting, well, maybe you'd see an Ori character in Dragon Ball Z, but I mean like. Spirited Miyaz Away. Like, yeah, like Miyazaka, like Spirited Away, Totoro or whatever the hell their names are. Totoro? I think it is. I'm going Totoro. <laughs> Next you can tell me his name's Poinyo. No, it's Ponyo, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that one. You haven't seen Ponyo? No, I know of him. I just didn't know how to like. I know of him. Get out of here. I've never seen Ponyo. <laughs> but it was in theaters when I uh, when I worked there. It was in one theater. It was in one whole theater. It was in one whole theater. Art in them is really cool. Oh, and then I think the art for this game is actually kind of inspired directly by I'm gonna butcher it Princess Manayuke? Mananoki? Sure. Sure. I'm I have no <laughs> idea how to spell it. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> it's a movie. It's in there. It's, it's, a, on, movie? it's a Studio Ghibli film, yeah. Yeah, but it's like uh it's definitely like a nineties Japanese animation was the vibe I got playing it. Oh for sure. But yeah. It definitely has like more of like a digitalization to it than those movies but yeah it's that's good that's what yeah. it is <laughs> what were we doing we were talking about what ori is i meant like as like a creature oh he's yeah he's a spirit fox we're gonna go spirit fox does that work for you uh he was a leave when he was I, born i was I gonna believe. say i think his mom's a tree but i'm not positive 
Yeah, so Ori is a glowing fox guy. Uh, yeah, I just told him protects, that, Mike. Who protects the forest? Does he protect the forest? Before the game starts, does he protect the forest? Before the game starts, no, he is probably the cause of why it gets destroyed. Spoilers. This is the first game. <laughs> <laughs> we actually haven't actually talked about that, about our podcast. And on the podcast probably isn't a good time to do it. But where do we fall on spoilers and whatnot? I wasn't going to give him the end of the game when I did the summary, but... Well, good, because you didn't even beat it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I have it in my summary. It's actually a pretty cool ending. But let's skip that for now. We'll skip that, yeah. I, I would say <laughs> let's not, don't spoil the ending, but if it has to do with like gameplay or a moment you really liked, you know, kind of glaze over it and kind of just, without revealing too much, go over what you okay. thought of it. Yeah, yeah I've, I feel like with most games, this is just for most games, I'm going to say everything's on the table, unless it's like a cool spoiler. And do we get to decide if it's a cool spoiler? Is that? I think that's that's our decision. That's our purview. Like, I'm never going to tell anyone what happens at the end of Mass Effect. I kind of want to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or like a bigger or or God of War. Like, I'm never going to have a bigger moment like that. But yeah, we did Cuphead last week. Are there spoilers for Cuphead? Not really. I know a spoiler for Cuphead. You don't know a spoiler for Cuphead yet because you haven't beat it, right? Oh, my God. The end has a spoiler. What if I told you? Did you know at the end of Cuphead, you could actually um, decide to just give the devil the souls that nice. you've been acquiring all game and it's game over? That was the deal we made, Dave. <laughs> it's tr- Honestly, I think Cuphead becomes the bad guy. At the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll make this deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm going back on the deal. <laughs> we should probably get back to Ori. Okay. Yeah. So the sequel basically sets up Ori's already done, its, done her thing, his thing, its thing. Save the forest. What's... What does she do in the first? I played the first game when it came out. Mm-hmm. This was about four years ago. Five years ago now. Five years ago. I remember really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I remember being a real pain in the ass. Oh, it was hard. And I remember that's it. That's really all I remember. And an owl was chasing me the whole game. There's an evil owl for sure. Mm-hmm. So what was your objective in the first story? The first game, your objective basically was to save the forest, to bring the light back to the forest. To You visited old trees that had the spirit force of of your creatures of light, I guess. So in the first game, the whole forest was already dead at the beginning of the game? At the very beginning when you're found and taken care of by your mother creature, the forest is alive and well. But then the tree calls out to Ori because it needs help and protection from the owl. But the mm-hmm. owl comes down, doesn't have any protection. The tree does no protection. The owl kills all the other Ori type creatures and destroys the light inside the tree. And you have to go back and relight the tree. The the elements of light are basically like that, like fire. Oh, that's right. Water. Like warmth. They call them. There's warmth is the fire. Warmth is fire. The light of warmth. <laughs> it's just water. But then there's like. It's three. Strength. And is it three of them? Yeah. I remember. I think it was three. So you've got to get back life back to the forest. And as you go, you know, different things get better on the the level the levels because it's metroidvania the world becomes brighter and happier as you progress mm-hmm. which is cool uh so the second one your forest is already regrown and happy you get little you have a little owl baby yeah everything's good man <laughs> <laughs> but then you just had to go and fix your owl buddy ku's broken wing and ori takes ku the owl and they fly off to another island where a storm rages and they crash on this island which- why are we blaming ku because Koo just had to fly. He's a sweet little owl. He just wanted to fly. <laughs> well, Koo got them in trouble. So at the end of the first story, you find the egg. Ori 
the, the owl that was chasing you the whole game. They, yes. They've taken the egg and that egg hatches at the very end of Ori. And then Ori two takes up almost immediately after that, I guess, because that little baby owl is just doing his thing. Hatch and doing his thing. Yeah. yeah. Got a little Lion King montage of the owl growing up a little bit, which is nice. It's the, the little it's, it's touching it's very cute. And stuff I, like that. Yeah. I don't think that the other two characters, what were their names again? Uh, one's Gummo. <laughs> it is Gummo. I want to call, I just want to call, keep them calling Gumbo in Nuru. Uh, Naru is okay. the, the name of because the Because uh, Nuru mother. is something a little bit different. <laughs> uh, Naru's like basically Ori's mother. Or, or Naru found Ori in the woods when Ori, as a leaf, got separated from the tree and landed in the forest. It's all really, really weird. Yes, we can agree on that. <laughs> So in the second game, you're you're trapped on this new island, which also has a darkness surrounding it. And there they used to have light spirits as well. But I guess they haven't been seen in over a generation. Ori is the first one on that island in a long, long time. And basically is asked by this giant toad named Qualak, Qualak. <laughs> to who's doing his best to protect the island, but isn't a spirit of light. So can't do everything to try to bring back life to the island much in the same way that or he did in the first game. Basically, it's copy paste in terms of gameplay and your objective. Only you also have to find Ku, who is now missing in the forest. Yeah, so the game starts with you looking for Ku in the forest and eventually turns into a more grand. Originally, your whole purpose is find my lost bird. <laughs> um, but then it turns out that you need to awaken other spirits of the forest, I guess, or wisps, as they call them in the game. So you're on a quest to just awake the wisps to relight the what's the main tree, like the willow tree or like it's like a big just picture like the Game of Thrones wormwoods or whatever they're called. <laughs> That's um, good. Yeah. So, yeah, the you, spirit willow is named spirit. willow. Yep. OK, yeah, I know the end area is called the willow's end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're trying to awaken these spirits to all get together. I guess they're all different embodiments of the of one spirit actually there's one of the one of the wisps is the strength of the spirit mm -hmm. of the other is like the heart and the wisdom or the courage or the memory the eyes the strength and the heart of the forest it's all nonsense but yes <laughs> it's all adorable nonsense it's very cute for sure and then you go around and you murder creatures in the forest you don't have to you don't because that's what i like the most about the game is like a lot of combat tools given to you, but you can play this game without fighting much of anything. I wonder, I wonder if there's like a secret achievement for a pacifist beating the game without, yeah, killing anything except for the boss characters. Like you don't have to kill the boss characters, but I feel like there's a lot of like, everything's avoidable. Most everything. Yeah. Take it back on it. I mean, you'd probably want the spirit light to just like level up, but yeah, even that you can get from like destroying like tree branches and shit. And do you really <laughs> need too many spirit lights? I mean, yeah, yeah. you want a, a few. Get yeah. your favorites up. But I mean, once you play through the game once and you already know exactly like what you like, then you can probably pretty much pass fist mode it. Sure, but I mean, I feel like you'd need a good amount of it. It you don't it doesn't come in too plentifully. No, not like I mean in the first game you could just kind of farm it. You could just go back and forth and just your enemies just gave you spirit light no matter when you whenever you beat them up. Well, this game does too, but it's just the amounts you need. It takes it takes a little while to get, you know. Something like you might get like 50 for killing an enemy, but you need 1600 to purchase an upgrade. So. See, I found I found getting to like 2000 to get the triple jump. Like didn't take long. 
or 2200 or whatever it was. So you've played three hours of the game, we'll say? Uh, I think that's about fair. Yeah. Three or four. And how many purchases did you make? Um, I think you just purchased triple jump probably. <laughs> no, I purchased triple jump. I purchased a floating butterfly guy that shot for you. I purchased uh, wasting, a life upgrade. You're wasting your money. I purchased. You're wasting your money, Mike. You talk about you don't need money. You're just wasting all your money. I felt like I was good. You you bought one of the increase your health ability shards. Yeah, then I immediately took it off. You, <laughs> I immediately undid it because I was like, I don't need this. And I just keep getting life everywhere in the game. You bought that crappy sentry turret. I want I, it the way it was described. It Mike, sounded like it was the list thing from, here of all the really cool abilities in this game <laughs> with, a with a special mention about how bad the sentry turret is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize until then. But yes, the sentry turret is essentially pointless. It's extremely pointless. It's a distraction, I guess. If you want, I guess if you wanted to play as a pacifist, use the sentry turret <laughs> because it's not going to kill anybody. So I guess it's a good we can start with the uh, the power ups and stuff like that. So. I like that they gave me so many options, but because, like you said, most of the game to me was platforming. The combat's okay. I didn't feel like I needed that many options, but it was cool that I got them. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about having that many options in this game? Because I was I was really surprised at that they changed that up so much. So early in the game, they like right off the bat, pretty much they give you the Spirit Edge um, sword ability. Mm -hmm. Sword. This sort of gets it done. You really don't need anything beyond that. I think you get the arrow. Um, you get a bow and arrow later in the game, like a spirit bow and arrow. You get it I, right before the yeah, before you meet Quola, because you need to unlock his eyeballs. And you get that from a tree as well. Yes. So you don't have to buy that one either. That's really all you need. You don't need anything beyond that. I ended up buying a giant like mallet, like a hammer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ended up using that over the sword in all situations um but combat wise there's a lot of really cool options but you again you don't really need them because the game is really just about getting past the enemies and a lot of that could just be done through like the amazing like mobility tools that they give you throughout the game i thought that yeah i thought the same i think the i don't understand like i get the melee made it seem like i was a little bit more in control it gave me that kind of illusion because like especially there are slugs in this game and there were slugs in the first game that explode and others that shoot needles at you. And I would be able to smack them down now as opposed to just hit them. That way it would get them out of my way, which I like that ability. But over overall, it was just kind of a more I felt more in control rather than having a floating ball shoot to people. But it was a, more of the same. I don't. Yeah, I don't really remember the combat in the first game. And when I think about the first game, I don't think about the combat at all in that game either. But you didn't have melee attacks, right? No, you just had your little floating ball guy. And what did he do? He just shot. He was your sentry turret, which is why I got it. I thought the sentry turret would be more of the ball guy. And I was like, ah, eh, I know what that is. Okay. But this guy, the sentry turret's a butterfly, which I don't get why that is. I mean, um, I get why you don't have that ability from the start of the game because the spirit leaves you in the first game. But I think you could easily have created the same thing. I, I, I don't know. I liked the torch at the beginning of the game. I thought it would be cool if that was how you attacked. When the game began and I was like, okay, he doesn't have a spirit power anymore. So now he's got to use the torch to destroy enemies. And the torch left him. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's interesting because now I can become vulnerable at certain times. But then the torch got taken away from you. Like immediately it gets rained off. I think that the moment at the beginning of the game with the torch is one of the coolest moments in the game. 
I really, really liked that. After playing the first story, I remembered there were a lot of like chase sequences. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of the first story. And the chase sequences in the first game are rough. As cool as they are cinematically, you get real sick of doing the same segment of a chase 15 times to beat it. That at least that's what I remember in my head. Um, in this game, the chase sequences are more cinematic, but not quite as difficult. There's still a challenge, but I felt like I beat most of them within two tries. A lot of, I think most of them actually beat on the first try, but I still felt like a sense of dread in my heart that I, <laughs> I needed to hit that next jump, you know, to survive. Um, but during that first sequence where you're running from the giant wolf, the and howl, yep. and you're going through like the, the broken tree and whatnot. And it's so close to you and you come across the torch. And at this point you haven't engaged in any sort of combat yet. Mm -hmm. So you have no idea what you have no idea when you're coming up to that torch that you're going to be able to pick up that torch and just swing it at the guy. And I think it does your first swing as you pick it up. It does the first swing like automatically, right? You just whip it around and the wolf kind of like howls back. Yeah, because yeah, because that's part of the cinematic. Uh, I think Ori falls down, so Ori has no choice but to whip it around when Ori gets back up. Yeah, but just I just remember that moment being like notable to me. To where I was like, this is a really, really well done um, for a game that has such a minimal story. To be able to like express the the emotion of that moment so well, I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, and then they take it away from you, and then they take the torch away from you, but. I think they do a really good job later in the game with several key moments to where you don't really care, <laughs> but it hits you in the feels, you know, on a couple occasions. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're cute characters, so you, you kind of care what happens to them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like what you're talking about with the, the difficulty of the cinematic moments and then having all those weapon options, I feel like the game is actually way easier and again, I, I only played maybe the first 33% of the game. Both games, really. And I felt like the we, first game was much more difficult you, than that. You got to the end of the water tower, right? Correct. And a little so bit past that, but yeah. We'll we'll call the water tower act one of three. Okay. I think that's fair to say. What's cool is right after the water tower, the game opens up a lot. It's kind of like a link between the worlds or more recently, I guess, Breath of the Wild, where you need to awaken these three wisps or whatever. But you can awaken them in whatever order you want, which is a really interesting twist for a Metroidvania game, because typically these games are driven forward by move forward until you can't. Eventually, you'll find a new ability that will help you overcome some other obstacle. And then you kind of backtrack and find your way through to another like little nook mm -hmm. that leads to a bigger branching path that opens up. And eventually you'll find another brick wall and then you'll find a new item and then get past that brick wall. And it, as explorative as they are, it feels like you're being forced onto like a very strict, straight path. Mm -hmm. You do this after you do this, after you do this, after you do this in like a very set order. But with this game, it's really. I don't care if you don't have this one ability yet, you can do whatever you need to do without it. It's just as you get the newer abilities. Um, you have more flexibility and more style really just to, to do what you need to do and not just what you need to do, but what you want to do to mm -hmm. avoid things. 
So what mobility tools did you have at the end of the first act? Because I feel like at that point, you pretty much have everything you need. You might still be missing one key tool, but I'm not sure. So what mobility do you, did you have at that point? At that point, which I really liked is I had pretty much everything from the first game by then. Because I, I, well, something that makes me really mad in games is going into a second game and having unlocked everything in the first game. And then all of a sudden your character is now powerless, mm-hmm. which I really didn't like when I started Ori. But then as I played, you know, within an hour, you have pretty much everything again. So you get your dash, you've got your double jumps, you've got uh, your ability to burst through things. So I had the burst move. I had the dash. Um, I had upgraded to the triple dub. Oh, you're saying where you can launch off of an enemy? When you launch off an enemy or a lantern or their projectiles, which I love that move. I think that move is very unique and original to a game. Mm -hmm. Um, I got the dash move. I was magnet climbing, which you get immediately. Um, Oh, and I got the whip. Let's talk about that real quick. In the first game, one of the parts that made it so difficult was just the constant having to wall jump over and over and over and over. And late in Ori 1, you get sticky fingers where you no longer need to keep tapping A to stay on walls. Yeah, you're sliding off. Yeah, you're just there on the wall. And this game gives you sticky fingers like right off the rip. Very, very early. I think it's right. Right after you defeat Howl. It might even be before you defeat Howl. I I almost think you get it. This is a mod, not a ability. Right. I want to say you get the mod before Howl, I think. It, it could I be. Like I, you get it like, no, no, not before Howl. It'll be right after Howl because Howl is literally, you just crash landed. It's almost immediate after that, isn't it? Right. Yeah. You go through a very small section of the swamp, but yeah, it's, it's pretty soon after. Okay. We'll, we'll say you get it right after Howl just to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> but having that move right out the rip really just frees you up from so much of the frustration of the first game. But I also feel like it adds to making the game easier than the first game as well, uh, which is See, what, uh, I, what I you're know. saying easier is you're just saying, saying less frustrating. is less frustrating because the first Ori from what I remember was a game that wasn't hard because of like all these intricate, well, I guess it was like these intricate puzzles and stuff that you had to figure out how to navigate through. Right. But a lot of the times, the reason it was hard was because I sucked at it. <laughs> you know what? I think what I'm saying is it's easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also had the whip thing at the end. Um, when you get into the windmill, you get the whip that lets you tangle up onto the things. Oh, the grapple. The grapple, yeah. yeah. Grap- uh, the grapple is awesome. I love, like you said, the traversal in the game, the traversal tools they give you make it smooth, make it seamless, make you seem like you're really good at a game, which... Uh, Let's be honest. I'm not very good at video games, Dave. Mike, but, but we don't have to tell them how bad we are at video games every podcast. <laughs> but we look really good in Ori. And I, I think that's the thing. It's like you look really cool. You have all these different moves and stringing them together feels fantastic. Being able to go through in the windmill, you've got the gears that just keep turning and you have to go through them and out. And there's laser beams shooting at you and spike walls. And you have to carefully. Basically, it's like a maze where you can't touch the edges. And using your traversal tools make it so cool and so seamless, bursting off an enemy's projectile fire so that you could whip onto the next blue uh, section of vines. So you can climb up those and then double jump. And then it's just really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the mobility is phenomenal. Of every Metroidvania I've played, as far as the way you navigate that world, Ori probably feels best to me. At least Ori Will the Wisps does. Yeah. I think like, even I think even the original just feels really good too. But I think not this, this is a little this, this is feels so much better. Yeah. So much better. 
But what would be second to this? The first, the first story, probably. Movement wise. Big questions, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it would be the, the last one was really good too. <laughs> <laughs> this is leaps and bounds better. Maybe, I mean, I guess like Super Metroid does a really good job of just letting you feel cool, but it was so technically limited. None of the Castlevanias feel great movement wise that I've played. No, Castlevania is more combat than anything else. Yeah. Um, I'm really thinking about this now. I really don't think there's any that like Metroidvania type games that I've played where, oh man, movement's really dope. But how many of them have given you guns that shoot foam? Like Shadow Complex. Shadow Complex. Because I could just do whatever I wanted in that game. I would just create a, a, a wall of foam and I would just walk on it and who needed mobility tools? That's true. <laughs> Shadow Complex, I'm I'm still surprised they never created a sequel. Same. That's that's Ori's really good though. And you know, usually I play a game for a little bit and I'm like, yeah, I'll probably never go back to it. I am almost certainly going back to Ori one, beating Ori one, and then beating Ori two. So that that's gotta say something. Games like that I don't usually go back to after I give them a try, even if I like them. I think a lot of Ori's aesthetic i don't know if this is affecting your feelings towards it right now mm-hmm. given the current situation it's of, nice to have a nice game around the u.s <laughs> and the world it's this very peaceful game it's almost like the music is almost like meditative 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 <laughs> um like you can just the music in ori you feel like if you just walked out to a meadow sat down crossed your legs closed your eyes and listened to the wind blowing in between (laughs) each individual blade of grass (laughs) and then you could hear the sound of each of those individual blades of grass (laughs) softly swiffling into each other i'm sorry did i not disrespect your social distance (laughs) um but that's what ori's music sounds like it just feels like you're just in a place of bliss. <laughs> it's true. The, so tranquil. The score by Gareth Coker, you mean? Oh, yes. Gareth Coker. <laughs> uh, but I agree. And I, I love the way that the score is at the very beginning of the game in both the first and second one. They play the, the music and it's the same music that plays throughout, but it's it's dark and foreboding. And as you progress through the game and bring light into the world, it's the same kind of music, but it becomes calmer and more peaceful and, and happier. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that. That shift in tone, but keeping the same themes. Yeah, across the entire game, it always. I would say this game probably less. The score doesn't feel like it has like a progression to me as I'm playing through it, but I think that's because each individual like biome Mm -hmm. has its own score and you can play through it any way you want. You can go to any biome you want at any time. So I guess I never really felt like the score was keeping up. Um, I, I think you're right for the second one. A little, it's a little less so like the same music, but a progression of happiness going through it. Mm-hmm. You haven't gotten to Luma pools yet, right? No, but I did see this. Oh, is that where the little meerkat guys hang out? Yes. I've been, I've got that. I've, I've built a couple things. Oh no, 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 oh, no. Never mind. There are meerkats in Luma pools, but you're talking about like, I think it's called wellspring or something. Yes. Like the, the wellspring. You're the right. city yep. that you're building, but no Luma pools is like, I guess it's it's got a lot of water, like a lot of aquatics, a lot of like tropical vibes. Um, it's got like real happy, like 
I don't know what to call it. I'm going to call it shell music. If, if that sounds right to you, just go with that. You mean like an island beat? <laughs> okay. I hate to reference Fortnite in this, in this situation, <laughs> but do you know like the music that um, the fish stick characters? Yes. Like the, he has like little coral guys. Yep. Just picture them, but less annoying. And that's the music in the Luma pools. Okay. <laughs> um, it's almost like a coral reef but on land like color wise and then the music and everything that's cool it's like a little vacation from the rest of the game (laughs) (laughs) and it feels like they have no troubles there um and it's pretty wonderful (laughs) it's by far like the most standout area of the game like visually to me yeah did you feel like they almost copy pasted some of the original game into some of the areas of this game when i think of the original areas from Ori one. I mean, you're more fresh on it than I am because mm-hmm. I played this game five years ago. The only visuals I have of the game are bell running through the woods <laughs> in beauty and the beast. Like, I feel like that is the world that Ori takes place in the first story takes place. in. that might not be accurate. That's just what my memory is held on that's to. That's most of the map, but, but yeah. it's just like this dark, almost dead looking world. Um, so no, I th- I think the biomes in this game are very unique, but I don't really remember the first game, so I could be just you know conflating everything here. For the most part, it's true, but I think when you start the game, because you're in that storm and you're in the swamp area, it is very much like the blind forest. And then at the end of the after you open up the the windmill, I can't I cannot remember what the name of this place is called. When you beat the windmill and you bring the water back to life, just like you did in the first game, and you run from the water just like you did the first game. And when you you fall from the the water, just like you did the first game, you land on the island, you wake up. The opening area when you first clean the water is incredibly similar to the first game. And doing my research about like fun facts about the production of the game, I found that when creating this game. Part of the level design included recreating the original blind forest map within um, the Will of the Wisps and then kind of building it out from there. Um, and obviously they made the game. This game is over three times larger. But I feel like they were like, this area is cool. Let's leave this. Or they had main areas that they were just kind of like, let's tweak that, but make this kind of a, a key point to build off of. Without having played the original game in so long, I'm going to agree with you because you sound like you know what you're talking about. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so because that's basically where I ended my playthrough in the first game before I won't moved on to the second. So when I got to there in the second game, I was just like, that's where I was yesterday in the first game. <laughs> I know that tree. <laughs> the one thing that I wasn't a huge fan of in this game compared to the first game, but I think for the most part, this game does a lot of things better, is I think the graphics are not as good as in the first. I think they they definitely, because I know this from the fact, they brought on uh, Jeremy Gritton, who originally worked for Blizzard Entertainment. I uh, liked the Ori artwork, got hired at Moon Studios, and instead of doing 2D, which they did in the first game, they made 3D characters and layered the levels a little bit more to give it more depth. But I feel like that kind of took away from the more artistic look of the first game and made them look more video gamey. More digital? Yes. <laughs> that is a better word. I would definitely say it looks. The first game I remember, again, five years ago, wasn't expecting to talk about the first game so much. today. 
I remember it looking very like hand painted. Mm-hmm. Yes. This game definitely feels more like a digital rendering of that hand painted game, but it's still absolutely beautiful. It is. Um, but I th- feel like you lose something with that. I think that's I'd say that's more like your preference at that point, because. I looked at a couple screenshots of Ori on the Switch store. That's the best I can say right now, because I was thinking about buying <laughs> Blind Forest on Switch just to have it as an option, because this one's not on the Switch. It's still on the Xbox only. So I figured pick up Blind Forest for the train or whatever, just to get more familiar with it. I mean, I did not end up doing that. Um, but just based on screenshots, I would say Will of the Wisps looks much more striking to me. So I, I think it is a, a preference thing here. All right. Because then I was going to go on to say that I didn't like the animation in the game as much because I felt like because it's more digital, I feel like I didn't realize the first game was also made on the Unity engine because when you start the game, it doesn't tell you what game engine it was made on. This game says Unity. And when it played started, I immediately knew that it was a 2D Unity engine game because I feel like every game I play on the Unity engine, 2D platformers really all kind of handle the same. They have that same kind of digitized look where the, it, it looks like something else was digitized into it. And characters in the 2D platformers that I've played, like Assassin's Creed and a couple of other smaller ones, they feel like they're puppets. And I felt like that with Ori. He controlled really smooth, which was nice. But when I watched his animations, it was like he had pegs on his elbows and his shoulders and his neck. And he was just kind of like a ragdoll puppet, as opposed to the first game where I did feel like I was moving this more solid painting. Again, yeah, if you you disagree with the first point, you're not going to. Well, not just that. Again, I haven't played the first one in so, so long. I don't remember what the character felt like. I mean, <laughs> I when I started playing this one, I felt like I was playing Ori. Oh, no, like, he still moves very well. It's just his he has certain looks about him that are a little different in terms of when he does the moves. I feel like you're being really close minded right now. <laughs> <laughs> one of my other downsides to this game from the first game is this game lags a lot more, especially in the beginning. As much as I love this game. Technically, it's got a lot of flaws. I was saving those for a little while. I've had those <laughs> in my back pocket. But yeah, this this game, for as much as I feel like I'm praising it, because it really is a phenomenal game. No, oh, it is. Absolutely. There's a couple things with this game that are downright broken. Some of them, just because of maybe technical limitations, I don't know. Some of them just really freaking dumb design choice. <laughs> <laughs> We're playing a Metroidvania where you need to open your map Every 20 seconds or so, you probably open your map, maybe 30 seconds tops. But pretty much every time you get to a place where you can choose to go up or down or every time you have to pick a new direction to go, you're probably popping your map open. Oh, yeah. You're not memorizing that map for sure. No, of course not. And this game has a solid between I didn't time it, but it's got to be between a second and a half to three second delay for your map to open up. You press the button, your screen goes black and it takes a a good heartbeat or two (laughs) before anything happens. Yep. And that is, I'm not going to say it's unforgivable because I love this game, (laughs) but it's real freaking close to unforgivable. When in the game you made five years ago, (laughs) the game you made five years ago, boots it up right away. Why can't this one? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but I I agree. There were moments where I tried to bring up the map and I thought my game crashed. Yeah. Cause it was definitely more than three seconds. And, and then on top of that, you want to bring up your map because you're always bringing up your map and your inventory comes up. Yeah. But so you say you got an ability shard or something at one point 20 minutes ago, you never went to look at it. I guess not 20 minutes ago because you're looking at your map every 20 seconds, <laughs> but it feels like you got an ability shard 20 minutes ago. <laughs> you go to look at your map and it 
brings up your inventory or brings up your your shard tree. And it's like, what the hell's going on here? And I got to swipe three pages to the left or right to get to it. And then when you get to the map page, you have to wait for that stupid black screen to go away and bring up your actual map. Or if you accidentally press left trigger or whatever, and you zoom all the way out on your map, you get this really nice painting of the island, but it's useless. I don't need this painting of the island. Oh, that's that's a holdover from the first game as well. Maybe, but yes, it is. It is useless. Once all I know is I don't need it, Mike. I can't see where I am. What's this is not this is not helpful. Oh, yeah, that that really, really would infuriate <laughs> me because every time I pressed the back button to open up the map, I knew it was going to take three seconds and I knew I was going to get mad. <laughs> and I said, it's just the game. Just press it. <laughs> but I feel like every time I did, it, I was more and more mad than the time before that I pressed it and it never went away. <laughs> um, and then just like the. Most of the time, this game runs real smooth right it's, it, it, it's buttery clean but then it just decides i'm a chunk and it just <laughs> it just chunks on you for no reason it, and it's it's bad and it's a game where movement is key and then smooth movement is key and i don't think the chunks and the stutterings and the freezes are as bad as i'm making it sound right now <laughs> But they're really bad and they shouldn't exist. I don't think they get in the way of anything. I've had it happen to me once during a boss fight that really infuriated me, like the stuttering. For the most part, it's just like, a, oh, it took my character a half second longer to grapple up to that thing because he was stuttering for a second. Right. I don't think I've ever been killed by it, but it's it's never that big of an obstacle, but it is just like an annoyance. Yeah, I don't remember the first game stuttering at all, which is why I was like, this need a little bit more polish. Again, five years ago, you don't remember. I don't remember ever. Well, I can mad tell you the technical performance of the having, game. Having having played the first story two days ago now, <laughs> for a good three three and a half hours, I don't remember it stuttering once. And yesterday and the day before, when I was playing the second one, it did stutter on me a handful. And at the very beginning, at the, right off the bat, it was just I'm a stutter at the swamp. <laughs> and nothing was going on during the game that was like there weren't a lot of characters. Nothing complex was going on. It just stuttered. Yeah, I'm not going to make excuses for it. But of course, the first Ori was developed for 360. All of its architecture was designed around 360. And then they go, oh, it's taken a while. We're just going to put it on the, on the Xbox yeah. one. And then it goes on the Xbox one and it's got a lot more to play with. So it's going to do better because it's just on. So much more powerful. Yeah, it was designed to be on a much weaker system. I don't think the 360 version of the game ever came out. They had said it was going to like even years ago. They had still said it was going to come out. Um, I don't think it ever did. Any notes on that, Mike? You have your fun production facts. There. <laughs> uh, it did not. Um, but yeah, and then obviously this game was developed around Xbox One. Um, I don't know. because so Maybe they just tried to take too much advantage of it. It takes a lot to digitize all those environments. Well, that's. We're playing on an Xbox One X's. We are. And it's still doing that to us. I, I can't imagine. So is that even worse than if you're playing on an S or a classic Xbox One? It's because that would be really bad. That that at that point, if it get if it was worse, that would affect my play. Yeah. It, this is gonna sound like an overstatement, but I really think it's true. This is technically the worst first party Xbox game that I've played on the Xbox One. Um it might be technically the worst 
Xbox One game I've played at least in the last two or three years. I can't remember getting so mad at the game for for technical frustrations like that in recent memory or even in long term memory. Really, I'm sure I'm sure I'm just forgetting something. Xbox first party, not that I can remember. The only game lately like that should be a polished AAA game was Batman Arkham Origins, but that was on Xbox 360. So that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. So, yeah, I can't remember anything in recent memory that stuttered like that, where it's like clearly just an extra month or two of polish would have would have fixed that up. Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything, though. Also, Batman Arkham Origins is underrated. It's the third best arkham game i like and batman no one, arkham origins no one wants to just admit that arkham city is trash no i'm sorry not arkham city arkham knight is trash oh i love arkham knight You're arkham wrong. knight is trash arkham origins is better deal with it <laughs> at me <laughs> <laughs> another thing i want to complain about <laughs> um earlier i was talking to you about how open-ended the game is or open the game is in terms of you can choose what you want to do when. Mm-hmm. Yep. One thing that really drove me crazy about the game was if you picked up, a, you can pick up quests from people to like go find a tree branch for them or whatever. Right. The side quest. Yep. So you pick up the branch for them and it shows a marker on your map of where they are, but it doesn't give you any indication of where the branch might be mm-hmm. a lot of the times. And I don't, if I don't have the branch in my inventory, I don't care where he is. Why are you showing? Why are you cluttering my map with all these markers? There's just these little circles all over my map. These not little circles, these big circles all over my map telling me, hey, this guy's looking for a backpack. This guy's looking for a twig. This guy wants a mushroom. It's just a bunch of stupid fetch quests like that. And I'm I'm fine with the fetch quests themselves. Right. It's just they put these giant markers all over my map. I would get distracted constantly. I'd go to those markers thinking like, oh, that's my next objective. Yeah, because it's also your objective. like. For your main quest to go find this new wisp, you get the same exact marker. So I'm thinking those are my objectives. Those are the places I need to go. And then I get there and it's just the same stupid monkey I already talked to (laughs) (laughs) telling me, yeah, I really could use that stick. (laughs) Um, And that was really infuriating. So it's a lot of little things like that. And then the other thing about the game being so open ended. Sorry to just go on here, Mike. I'm not done. It's very open-ended. It tells me, hey, you go go find these wisps or whatever. And it puts four markers on your map or it's four or five markers on your map about where the wisps are, even though there's only four that you're supposed to get. One of them shows the desert. I'm like, I like deserts. I'll go to the desert. <laughs> I journey through this giant freaking desert and I get to this big door and it says, hey, come back when you have all three wisps. You let me. What? What are you talking about? I just journeyed all the way here. <laughs> I'm still new at this game. I'm not that great at it yet. <laughs> and I'm just trying to find this stupid desert wisp. <laughs> and the game's like, hey, great job dealing with all these super difficult challenges. Get the hell out of here, kid. <laughs> and then you got to go back and, you know, get your wisps. Pick any other wisp. Any other wisp is fine. Just not that one. <laughs> so I don't get why they even give you the option to go there. At the beginning of the game. Right. I'm trying to think if I have any other map complaints. Only other thing I'd whine about on the map, because I do feel like whining right now. Um, this game plays with the foreground a lot. Yes. Like where hey, Cuphead actually did it too in a way that really pissed me off sometimes. Where you get blocked sometimes. By where the you can't see what's going on on the screen behind 
these tree branches <laughs> or like in, in Ori, it's usually just like these at the top and bottom of your screen. It's just like. Leaves in the foreground blocking your view of what's going on in this 2D plane behind that leave. <laughs> yeah. And this game has a lot of like little things where there were two or three occasions where. I had no idea where to go and it turns out like I have to fall down this hole that's behind one of these leaves in the foreground that I have no way of seeing. And a lot of, a lot of silly things like that that were just poor design choices. I, I had that happen to me. I had one time, I, I can't remember if this is the first game or the second game now because it was an issue in both, where I was fighting an enemy and I was trying to get past it because I want those spirit orbs or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm going to defeat this guy. He's not going to get the better of me. But I really couldn't see what where he was or where he was attacking from because these vines that were coming down vertically on the map blocked half my screen. <laughs> and eventually I just was like, all right, I, I'm going to get you. I'm going to stand right here and get hit a couple times just so you'd be in the more visible area of the screen. So I definitely agree with you on that one. <laughs> you got to like just stand there and take a shot. I, just, I will, just so you know where the sniper is. <laughs> I will go down to one half health. Of all the biomes in the game, they're all super unique and they all feel really distinct, at least to me. There's like this really cool Luma pools area that I talked about earlier. That's mm-hmm. like a tropical vacation. There is like these underground caves where spiders live. And it's like there's like a a gameplay element that involves the lack of light. That's really cool. I'm not going to spoil anything there um, because I think it is like a fun twist on the formula at that point. Mm-hmm. There is one area, though, the I think called it Bowers Reach. It's uh, the like Arctic area and it's really underwhelming compared to the rest of the areas. It's just kind of like a snowy forest and all the rest of them have like these really distinct colors and and real cool uses of light and stuff that really make them feel unique to me. But that one was kind of boring. The reason I'm talking about that right now is because there's something else I want to complain about. Nice. (laughs) At one point you fall into this ice cave. And it's just you in a big pot (laughs) (laughs) and a furnace. And it turns out if you, one of your abilities is you can just flap a feather and it creates like a gust of wind and it ignites the coal. It can, you can use it to ignite coals and start fires in the snow area. So you do that and that ends up like boiling the chili or whatever. And the chili launches (laughs) this flaming rock at a furnace and it ignites the furnace or whatever. And I'm I was stuck in this stupid cave for like probably 20 minutes with no idea what to do because there was nothing else to do in this cave and there's no way to get out of it. And it turns out you just had to do that twice. And I guess without actually playing the game, what I'm saying doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you get to that cave, Mike, <laughs> just just remember, just do it twice and you'll be out of there. But it's the worst. (laughs) But for everything that I'm complaining about, I really, really do love this game. This is a really good game. It's fantastic. And you mentioned had like to go anywhere. And I know we just kind of crapped on the map and the traversal. Well, not the traversal is great, but like some of the areas. What I love about Ori, the exploit, like just the exploration, even if I'm not going toward the marker or I didn't look at my map every 20 seconds and I went the wrong way, there was always something to do. There was always something to see and there was always a collectible to get and not like a useless collectible. Like, which is great with the first game, too. They always put a life orb or an energy orb somewhere. So no matter getting lost or not, I always felt like I was making progress 
toward building up Ori or or continuing on in the game. Yeah, no, there's the map is so full. Like I ended up beating the game with like 90% of discoveries, I think. So I still have a couple like energy cells I can do. Um we need to talk about leveling up the town. It doesn't really do anything. It's a cute little mechanic, but yeah. Yeah, it's nice. But give the like, monkeys a home. <laughs> you can you're creating like a village for your monkeys as you're playing the game um by like finding ore and then giving that ore to a blacksmith monkey. Or not a monkey, but he's like a big Goliath man. <laughs> yeah, he's a Goliath man. The monkey is the karate guy. Yeah. He's, he's like Rafiki too. Opum or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So the village is kind of silly. Was oh I really do think the pro- we talked about the progression already. I really think they do such a good job giving you the abilities and like the, the speed that you get the abilities is great. Yes. Um, we didn't talk about the mods too much. And I think the mods are a fantastic system. And I don't think they were in the first story. Were they? They were not. Cause you were just basically, you had your, your orb that shot stuff. And that was basically the end of the game and your abilities. You'd guess get, you had no yeah. choice over anything. But. Yeah. Yeah. What's so cool about the mods though is I think there's like 30 of them total. I there's only, quite a few. I only ended up with like 20 of them at the end of the game. So there's still a lot that I have no idea what's going on. But they really, really allow you to use the mods to fit your play style mm-hmm. in a way that I loved. Like if I didn't feel like fighting people, I would just go like complete mobility and just buzz through everything. Triple jump magnet. <laughs> yeah, I got a whole list of them. But yeah, so you got like your sticky fingers in a triple jump and then this and then a move where you can actually grapple onto enemies, not just um, the branches. OK, so you can actually whip two enemies when you're in the air. You can use that as, I guess, offensive or as mobility. I used it more for mobility. Well, that's like the burst mode, too. You can use as combat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's actually a a, a mod for that that lets it do damage when you fight Go with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's like a lot of defensive oriented ones. And then there's a lot of like offensive oriented ones to like power up your bow. And then there's a lot of cool, like little utility ones. And they all let you like kind of gear your play style in a way that is, was really interesting because it's not something that I feel like I've ever had the ability to control in a Metroidvania game previously. Not to maybe that extent. I could be wrong about that. I, I say I love Metroidvania games because I do. But I feel like I don't play as many of them as I probably should. I don't feel like there are as many big time polished ones out there. There's just like Castlevania 3028 and that's about <laughs> it. You don't get Metroid games very often. They come out few and far between. But uh, I, I agree with that. I also love that you can also change like the difficulty of the game kind of changes. Because I know there's one ability that's like take 40% more damage, but uh, but do 40% more damage. Yeah, I think I think level one of that is it's ten, take, starts at take 10. ten and take ten percent more to deal ten percent more, and I think you can go up to take twenty to give twenty. Um, there's another one where you have the whole mod is just you have a twenty percent chance to do a bonus fifty percent damage. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, one out of every five attacks or so will do a fifty percent increase in damage, which is really cool. Um, and also with the abilities and mod systems, I felt like there were tons of times during the game where I was just going, I'm having trouble with this, especially like in boss fights and stuff mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, this isn't working. I should focus on doing this at more of a range and then equipping more of the, uh, like the bow style mods. Um, 
there's one boss fight where I've, well, we didn't talk about one of the abilities you have is regenerate. Yes. If you have the heal ability at this yeah. point, you get that early. It's crucial. You're using it constantly. Like 90% of my spirit energy is going to restoring my life force, essentially. See, I only use that during the boss. But here's the thing. Like there's a boss fight later in the game mm-hmm. where I'm, again, I'm constantly using that. But due to circumstance, the arena that you're fighting in gets filled with water and you can no longer use the heal ability because you can't you do need, stuff in water. You need to do it on on flat land. You can't do it on walls and stuff. I just was in this one boss encounter where I was having a lot of trouble with it and I knew, okay, it's about to switch to the water phase. So I'm standing on the ground trying to like hammer out my heels just to use all my spirit for that before I'm forced to take to the walls and the water. Okay, now it's time to switch out my mod here. Now that I switched my mod, I have to switch or not switch my ability. I got to switch these mods to complement this new ability I equipped. And I felt like I was having a lot of fun just like trying to strategize my boss encounters after I failed. What did I do wrong? What can I do to fix it? Just in a way where I felt like I had like a lot of like numbers to move around that were actually impactful. You know, a lot of games like you can get equip mods and stuff where it's like five percent to this or 0.5 percent accuracy or whatever. Yeah. But this game, like I felt like they were all really meaningful in a way I liked. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'd say mobility, just like running around the map. Excellent. Chase sequences. Excellent. Boss fights. Cinematic. They're all right, <laughs> but they kind of suck. <laughs> um, like the end boss encounter is. It's terrible, guys. <laughs> the, a couple of the reviews I read for the game did comment about the end end of the game, the end a uh, little bit of the game not being as solid as the uh, beginning of the game. I don't know how much to talk about it without it being a spoiler, but you get to a point at the end of the game or towards the end of the game where you feel like the game is ending. Mm-hmm. and there's no like big boss encounter or anything it just but it just feels like okay guys let's wrap this up like we did it <laughs> we did it this was a good adventure and you're i guess i'll just say i don't think it's too much of a spider you're just like walking through like the door i talked about earlier you can't open this door yeah. until you've gathered all four wisps so i'm in there and like i'm walking through and a narrative is being told to me by another character. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's more than that. They don't speak English so in like, this game. They speak a weird language. I'm just walking between these giant like mosaic panels and stuff in this temple. And it's like explaining to me everything that's happened. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And it's like, it's going on for a couple minutes to the point where I'm like. Oh, this is it. This is. I beat the game. This is really the end of the game and they're not going to stick me with a boss encounter. And I remember as I was walking through the mosaics, I'm like, this is a really nice way to end it because the game has been like for as difficult as it was at times. It's been a real chill game. And it's nice to just be like, (laughs) great work, bud. (laughs) You did it. Like, let's just get out of here, you know? And then they kind of ruined it with the most difficult chase sequence in the entire game at least for me. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out, oh, wait, no, there's a whole final. I won't call it a whole act, but there's a whole final like chapter that you have to go through and far and away the worst part of the game. Not bad. And it might have been because I was rushing through the game just to try to finish it, finish it up to get here and talk to you about it. 
but it turns into this thing where you have like your big section of the map where it's just like, all right, here's 10 things on the map that you have to go do real quick. And you just have to explore this one area and fight these little encounters. You know, it, it's just, it's not great. Still play the game. It's, <laughs> you'll have tons of fun up until that point. You might even like that point because it is some of the more, the most difficult parts of the game. So if you feel like Ori in the Will of the Wisps is a little easier than you want it to be, that might be nice for you. Yeah. But for me, I felt like it was like, I was ready to be done with the game. And after that scene, I was like, I did it. <laughs> and then suddenly the game becomes the most difficult it's been. And I'm like, no, I'm, I was already checked out. I was done at that point. I was done. I was, done. was over. So maybe if that happened before that sequence, mm-hmm. I would have been more cool with it. Yeah. But yeah, the whole last area wasn't great. And then the final boss encounter also not great. It was a lot of choices that made it like difficult to see what was going on and stuff. And it wasn't, didn't feel great. I don't know. It's a game about traversal, not combat. Yes. Which is kind of weird because the game makes it a point to say that oh, the kindness of Ori is what, what gets him through everything. But then he's murdering these beetles. <laughs> well, no, I guess I won't talk about that because it, it gets a little too spoilerish. <laughs> he or he's a great guy. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> he's a good dude. Lady, light guy, fox thing. Spirit fox. Spirit fox. Fox spirit of the forest. Um, all right. So we've talked a lot about what we think of the game. What have other people said about the game? Did you get that information for us? Most people love the game. It's got a Metacritic rating of, I believe it was 83. Um, There are a couple of people who, like I said, like the game up to a point. I haven't seen any scores where it was bad, but I have seen a couple of okay scores where, like I said, they comment on the end of the game. I feel like they're being a little too harsh, though, so I didn't really take down their name or their comments too far because (laughs) they it was like they played a game that I did not play. They played a different game. But they do all say like toward the final act, it kind of gets ruined and that the combat system, there's really no point in the combat, which that part I don't agree with at all. Or I totally agree with is that the combat is not the point of Ori. No. And so all these upgrades, while nice, I don't need them. I was fine with the ball that shot light. But if you want to, if you want it, it's there, which is nice. And I think they're done well enough to where they're cool. But they, I guess the fact that I'm saying the boss encounters are the weakest part of the game speaks to the fact that the combat is the weakest part of the game as well. I agree. Yep. So, yeah. Um, but most people loved it. They loved the story, the, uh, the animation style. Some people did criticize the story for being too simple, but at the same time, the simplicity of the story is what I think I like about the game. They're not telling me this overly complex story. And honestly, if the characters just speak gibberish language anyway, I don't want a complex story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that kind of fairy tale good versus That's evil this Ori's kind of mother's odd, best right? friend <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah generally favorable reviews it's, it's actually one of the highest rated games of the year so far however i think that has there up- been much competition no i <laughs> think the upcoming Duna, doom eternal and animal crossing have gotten fantastic early reviews as well and they're gonna kind of blow ori out of the water in terms of great reviews cool yeah yeah you said 83 on metacritic I believe it was an 83 on Metacritic. Yes. I don't know why you wouldn't just write that down. I don't know why I didn't write it down either. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a, a wheelhouse of where I'd put it. Obviously we don't, we're not going to throw a rating on it. No, it's not our thing. It's not our thing. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> you've really grown as a person, Mike. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely a game that I would say is worth checking out. 
Um, if you like Metroidvanias or even if you've never played one, you want to try one out because they don't come out like like we said, big ones don't come out very often. It's definitely know, I, one of the best that you could get. I think it's one of the best. I wouldn't suggest it as like your first Metroidvania. Well, maybe I would. You think Only, the difficulty keeps them from it? Not so much difficulty, really just the openness of it. It's not really a true Metroidvania experience. And just in the fact that, again, three hours into the game. They let you go anywhere. You have every tool you need. Like, as you get new abilities, it's just a bit, an ability to get through that one specific area where you found that ability. It's, oh, you're in the desert. Well, here's a new ability that lets you dash through sand banks so it's it's not really metroidvania in that sense i mean it is it's definitely a metroidvania but it doesn't have like the same restrictions that a metroidvania would typically have and you wouldn't get like an authentic metroidvania experience experience (laughs) from it like if you want a metroidvania like even like jedi fallen order came out you know in the past six months that's more that's more of a metroidvania that's true than this is or the original order is also very metroidvania because that is pretty much linear but still open where you have to just backtrack to get to where you need to go yeah but i don't know why i'm trying to tell you not to play this game because you should play this game it's fantastic especially if you're especially if you're on house arrest (laughs) (laughs) and everything kind of (laughs) sucks um it's just a real for as frustrating as the game could be it's just a real chill experience i mean if you're not playing it on a deadline if you're not trying to beat the game in two days um (laughs) I can definitely see my I can definitely see a different version of myself where I loved this game even more. One where this stupid podcast doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is our episode on Ori and the Will of Wisps. Uh, Join us next week. Is it Will of Wisps or Will of the Wisp? Will of the Wisps. But people keep writing in articles Will of Wisps. So I keep messing it up. Oh, so it is Will of the Wisps. Wisps. Not Will of the Wisp wisps plural you're sure it's plural yes you copied and pasted so yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay i was calling it ori in the will of the wisp uh or was i <laughs> it is available on xbox one and pc and it's on game pass so next week we are going to be doing uh i think dark a deep siders <laughs> Now, uh, next week, we are going, we think, we've pretty much decided, right? I mean, you made me lie last episode, so I want you to say it this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, with uh, Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing coming up, we, I'm going to just, I'm just going to say it, Mike. I'm giving them our next three weeks of shows. Are you okay with that? Damn. Yeah, I guess I'm okay with that. I've already kind of done it at this point. <laughs> uh we don't want to jump into a doom eternal episode. Uh, it comes out the 20th next week for mm-hmm. us. Um, a couple of days for us now. For record, yeah. um, we don't want to jump right into that. We want to make sure we have enough time to review. It comes out on a Friday, which is kind of weird because we've been recording on Sundays, Mondays. Um, and we want to make sure we have enough time to dive into it deep. We are playing doom 2016 this week just to kind of refresh on it talk about our experience with it without it being tainted by the new doom eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll have a lot more context going into doom eternal the week following. And then with three beautiful weeks of animal crossing under our belts, I'll finally be ready to sit down and tell you how I feel about it. Um, and then from that point forward, I can give you our next 50 shows 
They're all going to be Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing. <laughs> this is now an Animal Crossing podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Dave Cannon's Tom Nook Corner. <laughs> Welcome to Nook's Cranny. <laughs> A raccoon cast. <laughs> all right, guys. So who's, uh, your, who's your favorite Animal Crossing villager? You better have an answer. I kind of think it might be Tom Nook. As much as he pisses me off. I said villager. Oh, villager? Who's the dog? I can't remember the dog. <sighs> You're talking about fucking jj or kk or whatever but he's still not a villager either the answer is falco okay whatever, whatever. just end the podcast <laughs> i got to refresh myself on animal crossing <laughs> okay actually here's what i want you to do yes this is nothing new to animal crossing i want you to do your thing where you talk for 10 minutes oh, i was just gonna not do that this episode oh i really want to spoil <laughs> the ending of ori so I figured <laughs> you talking for three minutes would be a good time to like let people know, hey, if you don't want to be spoiled, just leave. If you do want to be spoiled, listen to this guy talk for three minutes. Well, there but, are but fine. No, that that's well, if you like the sound of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> there are three other podcasts that I do uh, or two other podcasts that I do. I do Forgotten Cinema. I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about movies hey, Mike. That for hey, Mike. whatever reason. Yes, hey, Mike. Dave. I'm sorry that I'm so mean to you sometimes. You are quite the asshole. <laughs> but it makes for compelling. It makes for compelling podcasts. <laughs> uh, I do <laughs> Forgotten Cinema with my buddy Mike Field, the podcast where we talk about a movie that for whatever reason was forgotten by audiences in its initial run, uh, whether it be because another popular movie came out at the same time or just simply didn't catch on with the audience in its initial run. We talk about what we love about it, uh, why it should be remembered, and maybe why it was forgotten to begin with. I've also got Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, a podcast with my fiance Elise, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews where we review a different craft brew or wine every episode. Uh, we talk a little bit about the history of the brewery or winery, tasting notes, how it was made, and then we talk about some pop culture news hey, while we're sitting hey, on that. Hey, you also talk about the can because honestly, in this day and age, the can is just as important as the beer that's in it. Why do you like this? I've heard you tell me that before. <laughs> Can you actually real quick, just do me a favor and hit me with your two player bro plug. What are you saying at the end of Forgotten Cinema when you talk about us? I've also got a podcast, <laughs> Two Player Bros, I do with my buddy Dave Cannon, where we do a deep dive into a different game every week. Uh, we do all types of games, Xbox. No, see, you could you could have stopped it. <laughs> We're a video game podcast where we talk about games. We do a deep dive every week. One sentence, two sentences. <laughs> this is all getting cut out. <laughs> no. The world needs to know! <laughs> Alright, spoil the end for these people. Okay. So you know that, like... This is more spoiling it for you. <laughs> you know that, like, deep, like, voice that's kind of narrating things as you go along? Yeah. This has been a fucking Michael Scarn situation the whole time. Have I been the tree? That deep voice is Ori. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, actually, I wasn't that moved by it, but I was like, wait a second. And I just immediately thought it was like, it just reminded me of Michael Scarn where they, where they zoom out <laughs> and Stanley's voice <laughs> Is being edited over Michael Scott talking. <laughs> 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 do you want to uh, do you want to do the scarn with me and get out of here? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go too deep into. That's all I wanted to say. I mean, I guess I went to the bottom of the Ori spoilers. 
and I skipped the rest of everything it. above that. But yeah, it's just it was just cool. Oh, and it, while we're while we're ruining shit for people, <laughs> it turns out the light that the tree in the first game used to awaken Ori mm-hmm. or whatever, like to create her, yep, actually killed all of the owls and that's why the mama owl is chasing you the whole first game she's literally trying to stop all the owls from dying again oh damn and then when that light goes off and kills everything this new owl that's chasing you this like zombie owl that's chasing you in will of the wisps yep. literally he all of his family died in that light because he was a creature of darkness. Mm-hmm. So he was just this cute little baby owl on his own one. So he was still like a zombie owl, but he was a cute little baby owl. And he like went to chill with the other owls and all the baby owls were cool with him. And they're like, yeah, we're friends. <laughs> but then the mama and daddy owls came and were like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, like in like land before time where yep. chopper rolls up. Yep. And they're like the daddy stegosaurus or the daddy triceratops was like, you want to try Ceratops? Get the hell out of here. It was basically that. Um, but with owls. zombie owls. <laughs> um, so he has no. No home. He has no home. He's got nowhere to go. He just hates the light. And he's kind of like closed himself off from the light because eventually the light tries to heal him. And you could see when the light hits him, he starts to turn into a normal owl. But he says, fuck that. And he just it seems like he dies at the end. But who knows? It's a bummer. I'm going to cry. <laughs> you can cut all this out if you want. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it all. And that's all I got. 